Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Kate Jinks. I'm Brody Lancaster. (laughs) (laughs) This is the end of it. Okay. Cheerio. Cheerio. Cheerio to my my accent. Hello, Brody. I don't know why my voice went so low, Um, but uh, yeah, channeling a chimney sweep there. But uh, Mary Poppins. (laughs) At your service. I'm so sorry. I'm actually so sorry. Is this really the way we're starting it? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it doesn't. It really doesn't have to be, but it is now. Welcome home, Jinxie. Hey, thank you. It's nice to be in the same time zone. It really is. Although we we did we managed to produce some pretty good work, not being able to talk to each other for like twenty hours every day. Those voice notes were deranged, but I enjoyed them. Also, I did listen mm. back um, to them all pieced together, and I was quite tired and quite tipsy in the last one and I could really hear it I don't know if anyone else did but I was like oh she's about to go to sleep uh, I feel like I took a um I took a real sending my friend a voice note uh approach to it not a recording a podcast that other people are going to listen to approach yeah. so like I feel like I'm out of breath in most of them I'm like walking around my I can feel myself I can picture myself putting on my shoes in the background of like the audio that we release to people to listen to. That's fine. That's fine. Anyway, we did all we could. We did all we could. That's for sure. What have you been up mm-hmm. to? There's so much to catch up on. Oh my God. My, my last few weeks have been pretty boring. Um, our last proper episode, I think was when I was in Sydney 
Um, and so I was yes. there reporting a story that um, I have been writing for the last few weeks, but I finished it last week. Um, and so I've just been like kind of getting back to being like on a normal schedule, like the the idea of working on just one thing for a few weeks at a time is like so unbelievably foreign to me. So like I didn't read anything in those last few weeks and I just devoured a book in like three days to kind of like get my, get my groove back. What was the book? I read Yellow Face by RF Quang. Yeah, I went into Brunswick Street Bookstore on the weekend. Shout out to the See Also listener who is working there and told me what I would like of my selections. Um, yeah, and she said that um, she had just read it in her book club and she described it as a real page turner a few times. Mm-hmm. And by like the th- second or third time she said it, I was like, is that a compliment? <laughs> and she was like, e- you'll see what I mean. Like it's very readable, which – I agree. I like devoured it. When I heard the plot at first, I was like, okay, so it's like Morvan Keller, but with like Asian frenemies. Wow. Um, it's not. Okay. <laughs> but the idea of like stealing a manuscript and passing it off as your own uh, right. is, you know, the central kind of plot point of both of those things. Morvan Keller by Lynn Ramsey. Morvan Keller is a film that I constantly keep on my desktop, like on my laptop, because I'm always like, I don't know when I'm going to want to watch it, but I want it to be there. You always need it handy. I It's been years since I last watched it, so I I feel like I need it in, like, arm's reach as well. I'll lend you the DVD because I have that 2BL. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, like, what I've been up to is so boring in comparison to yours. I've been, like, to a few Melbourne pubs, sporting club in Brunswick, A+. Yarra Hotel in Collingwood, C minus. Very bad chicken schnitzel. Oh. Very problematic form of footballers in attendance when I went. Oh. Yeah. Ever read the book Night Games by uh, Anna Crean? Some of those characters, if we want to call them that, were um, there on Friday night, which made me feel chilled. Yeah, that's awful. Um, yeah, but um, look, I had a really bad schnitzel to that. <laughs> And I went home in the third quarter. Uh, Yeah. I went to a restaurant opening. Excuse you. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Influencer, that's me. Um, I went Southside too. I went to the Studio Amaro. It wasn't the opening. It's been open for weeks. It was like a media night, I guess. It was like milling about cheese plate, uh, little plates of nibbles and lemoncello margarita with a salt bush rim. Highly recommend. Uh, Yeah, if you can be bothered going to Chapel Street, highly recommend. I can for that. I paid for none of it. So take my word with a grain of salt bush. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the extent of of me. I finished my Sex and the City Mm rewatch. I'm up to date on Roni, which I'm finding trying and okay. Salt Lake City Housewives, which is just the jewel in Andy Cohen's crown at the moment. Hmm. Hmm. I'm enjoying Rahoni. Yeah. I obviously despise Erin these days for being humorless. It's the Jenna that keeps me coming back. Oh, Marzal to Jenna and Cass. Mm-hmm. Fiancés. Yeah, hello. Love that. Love that. With 
Rahasilka. <laughs> I'm so sorry. One of one of your worst. One of my worst. Uh, with Salt Lake, I actually had like slight issues with one of the scenes that they aired uh, for the first time mm-hmm. when Heather was in the bus in the Sprinter van after a big night. Mm-hmm. I really felt like. I should not actually see this has gone so far for her. I should mm. not see it. And it's the first mm. time I've watched Housewives and actually, you know, like I went through the like the arrest, everything. That's all fine. Mm. Someone in that state not knowing they're being filmed. Yeah, and of course they've consented to it because they're on a reality show. They've signed their life away essentially. But I really felt like, oh, that is dodgy on the production team's part maybe Mm. I don't know maybe I'm just being I don't know did you what Mm. do you think am I being too crazy honestly no I don't think so I will be honest and that thought didn't cross my mind at all because I felt like it was um you know like how many years did we watch the Roni women go to like the Berkshires and get so blotto but then the cameras turned off once they got home and so sometimes you know we'd get like snippets of their footage that they filmed with each other where it'd be like Ramona legs splayed like screeching at Bethany Mm. the moments that the cameras went down um and so I guess this was like yeah like a gray area of she's in a private space where she doesn't see any cameras around her she's obviously yeah like you said like knows that they're around has signed her you know contract whatever um but has no awareness of what's going on around her. No, because she asked Whitney to shut the van, or she asked for the Mm. van door to be shut. And then, of course, the smell and what was happening inside was too much for Whitney, obviously, Mm. and so Whitney opened the door to go out but left the door open. And having sympathy vomit, sympathy throw up. (laughs) Oh, I've missed your Whitney Rose. Anyway, (laughs) I don't want to be too, like, I'm still watching, Mm. obviously. I've already watched the next episode. Yeah. But, yeah, I really felt... I was mm. like, oh, is a line being crossed? I don't know. Mm. Mm. Uh, I definitely see what you mean. Yeah, for sure. I um, I was having this is this might be TMI. I was having like an upset stomach when I rewatched that episode the other day, and I was <laughs> in my bathroom, bent over the toilet, listening to Heather throwing up in the lounge room. It was like a real like. It was like when you go to those like um, cinemas where they jerk you around and like spray 4D. water on your face or whatever. Yeah. I was having a 5D <laughs> experience of Raholsic. Oh, wow. Um, I'll be I'll yeah. be feeling better. Oh, yeah, it was fine. I just ate too much. It wasn't too many espresso <laughs> martinis. No, I just woke up hungover and just didn't stop eating for like three hours. And then anyway, TMI. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> Oh, well. Oh, well. But I, like, I'm loving that episode of Salt Lake City, I think just was an instant classic from, like, Mary Cosby just not joining in on any activity, like, hugging Angie and then saying to camera, who is Angie? (laughs) What is Mary Cosby doing there? Why? I mean, money, but I... She's doing whatever she wants and making it very clear that what she doesn't want to do, she's not going to do. <laughs> what she doesn't want to do is everything. I love that yeah. she's being branded as Meredith's friend Mary. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you called me a pornography. I never said you do porn, Mary. Who's talking about porn? You said I called you pornography. And then Heather <laughs> raises her head and she's wearing like a Diamante trucker hat and just goes, she called you a predator. <laughs> I know, I did love it. And that is just before Heather had her unfortunate situation. But also that diamond truck cat. It took me so long to realise it spelt out cat mom. <laughs> did it? I thought it said like porn star or something. <laughs> cat mom. Bad girl. Bad girl. God, I love them. Watching those women try to do drag and like Lisa Barlow freaky. There is a lot of fourth wall breaking like producers the producers are very visible this season, right? Yeah, you're right. This is something new. And, like, Lisa being so upset by the idea of doing her own makeup, and so much so that she calls in the producers and is crying about it, I having, like, a complete I ha- breakdown. I have glam in St. Bart's. I have glam in Morocco. Where else? I have glam in Central Pay. <laughs> But I called in glam. It's I called just in glam. Morgan. Morgan's here. I paid for Morgan's flight. Oh. Morgan's on retainer. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, Morgan's and on they retainer. Were like, What's a wet noodle? Does a wet noodle wear head to toe Isabel Moran? <laughs> Apparently so. Uh, Apparently so. So good. Yeah, so, so look, good. I, I say, oh, you know, is it going too far? And I'm still watching, obviously. Like, I'm going to watch every goddamn second of it. Obviously. You're only human. All right, that's enough of my um, my indoors life for the last few weeks. You updated me on like the the headlines on our last episode, but you were like, "Oh, we'll get into it when I'm back." All the shows, all the food, all the books. It was, it was a lot. Um, it was really fun. I was only away for a couple of weeks, but packed it in as much as I possibly could. Mm. I really took myself out to some delicious lunch spots and dinners. Mm -hmm. That was my kind of, that's where my Australian dollar was complete. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Was working really hard. Over time, absolutely working double time, double shift. I went to a couple of places I've been wanting to go to for so long. I went to the River Cafe, home of that podcast that you love. (laughs) What's her name? Um... Ruthie, Ruthie from the River Cafe. Yeah, it was just delightful. It was like a perfect sunny day. I was there alone. Uh, that's not the perfect part, but it was just, it was beautiful. That sounds pretty fucking perfect. Befriended this girl who was working there. She talked me through that menu. What did you have? Um, I had some like seared Scottish uh, scallops on a bed of like aubergine and I had some very delicious bread. I had a great cocktail, though I couldn't tell you what it was. Um, And I had this delicious pasta dish. Oh God, it was so good anyway. But it was more that it was like the sun was shining. There was a Mm. massive group of women having bellinis on the Mm -hmm. lawn and they were all dressed in like kind of head to toe as if they were going to the races. And I think maybe one of them was celebrating a birthday. It could have been a PTA meeting. I don't know. But (laughs) all of the the staff were kind of gathering to look at them and, like, talk about them. (laughs) So I had a good time watching the staff watch the 
um, yeah. patrons. That was pretty good. Where else? Um, I went to Rochelle Canteen, Old Fave, of course. Oh. Went to Lila's a couple of times. What is Lila's? Well, I've I've never heard of it. Oh, it's um, it's a little cafe in Shoreditch on Arnold Circus, and there's a grocer attached, and it opened. I don't know, like 15 years ago or something now. I'm okay. not sure. There was a great profile of Lila in A Gentlewoman issue uh, many years ago, but <laughs> it's kind of a little bit famous because she's not great with customers. Oh, great. Great. She's quite rude. I've never had a rude interaction, um, but, like, they have a very small menu. Um, it's very seasonal. And it's well priced. Anyway, it's like it's a lovely, it's a lovely spot. It's like a uh-huh. perfect little lunch spot. Um, uh-huh. I feel like Eric Banner in the castle where he's like, "What'd you eat on the plane? <laughs> What'd you watch on the plane?" But I also have like I've never been to London, but I have a real soft spot for Margot Henderson and who um, started Rochelle Canteen. Uh, um, so maybe off mic you can tell me everything that you ate <laughs> yeah. at Rochelle Canteen. I just won't remember, but um, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, but I'm not good with that. But um, where else? I went to Towpath, favourite little spot on the canal, had some rosé on a beautiful afternoon, had like a great vegan roast um, at the flower markets, which is something I like mm. to do when I'm there and visited like hit up my favourite stall at Broadway Markets on a busy Saturday to have um, some jollof rice and spinach and plantains, which is, like, my favourite takeaway. Um, Yeah, look, it was just kind of nice. I had uh, some buckwheat ice cream with friend of the pod, Jess Stanley. Pardon? Buckwheat ice cream. was delicious. Is it like, does it feel kind of like savory? Yeah, it was extremely savory. Nutty? Yeah, nutty and, mm. there you go, nutty and savory. Yum. Yeah, it was very good. Um, What else? I took myself on a day trip to Whitstable, which is like a little seaside oyster town. Oh. Took a couple of hours to get there and back and it was absolutely worth it. Had a slurp? I sure did. I didn't get to do any of my own shucking, but... <laughs> While I was there, I was uh, texting a friend, my friend Dan, and we were talk- he was like, oh, are you on the Tipping the Velvet, like Sarah Waters tour? And turned out I was actually having lunch that second at the restaurant that is the stand-in for the character Nan's family oyster shack, uh, like the oyster, the fish cafe oh. that she works at in like the television adaptation. So that was quite fun. This is a famous lesbian TV series, right? Yeah, so it's a Sarah Waters book. Making one of the characters run a fish cafe or at an oyster town, come on. <laughs> I know. Look, I know. <laughs> I, I want to say at the time it was a breakthrough, but... Um... <laughs> yeah. Do you know, when I know something about oysters, my dad had one of those crude, horrible T-shirts that had a picture of, like, a woman, like, riding an oyster and it said shuck me suck me eat me raw and he once got asked to leave like a a, a, like rsl (laughs) for wearing it (laughs) i'm flabbergasted bl there's a lot there's a lot going on (laughs) i know there is almost too much to unpack there just a side note keep going (laughs) 
Don't have to. We don't have to stop at see, that. Also, uh, wow. Uh, see also, wow. See also, Brody, get a therapist. <laughs> I mean, you've got. I mean, we've talked through therapy before, but um, yeah, <laughs> haven't seen her in a while. She was always late. That's right. Anyway. Yeah, I can't stand it. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> what else? Um, I went to the Open City Documentary Festival and saw lots of great films. That was great. Mm. I went to some shows, as I mentioned. The Cape by Cape Melant show was just. Oh, I'm so jealous. God, Brody, I laughed for 80 minutes solid. Was there merch? Did you say this on the last episode? There was merch. I didn't get the merch, but um, it was all emblazoned just with Kate all over it. And I thought it yeah. was a bit too much for me, ultimately. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Uh, what if I got it and wore it? That would be ideal. But I just felt like it's like wearing an actual name badge. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. As someone whose name was never on like little novelty like stickers or like tiny like license plates at souvenir shops, mm. I would go off for a hat that said my name. There well, I you maybe you need to do your own one woman show. I'd come. I'd buy the merch. Maybe I just need to get a hat made with my name on it. Maybe that's actually what you do need to do. Maybe we've solved this childhood trauma. You don't need therapy, as it turns out. You need a hat emblazoned with your own name. Um, What else did I say? I saw Zoe's show, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, The opener at Soho Theatre was fab. Um, Oh, yes. We were going to talk about Vanya, uh, which I saw Mm. with hot priest Andrew Scott. Yeah. Can I just say... Mm. I paid full price for those tickets. Mm-hmm. They were just so extraordinarily expensive. I, I, it's. I'm still shocked by myself. How much? Like, w- put it in relation to like an item of clothing. Like, how many Ghani dresses? <laughs> okay, it's a single like, Ghani dress, maybe. Okay, um, still. Well, that's a lot for a for a show. Only one man in it. It's not like they're paying other actors. I did think that while I was watching it. I was like, <laughs> this isn't much of a cast, is it? Like, is he just like pocketing it the whole yeah. thing? Three people in that audience. You paid his salary for the night. <laughs> it cost one hundred and twenty-eight pounds. Oh wow. He is very good. Okay. He's really acting his little heart out. It's kind of an extraordinary performance, obviously, because he plays every single character in the play without skipping mm-hmm. a beat. So he just turns constantly between the characters. Mm. He has to have sex with himself as two characters. As two characters. Twice. Wow. I well, Look. I'd pay £200 to watch that. Well, do you know what? I think that was the sentiment of a lot of women in London because they were all there. Uh, Mm. So that felt quite funny to me. (laughs) I was like, it's not me. I'm not here for that. Yeah, was it all women in like um, black turtleneck like jumpsuits in the audience waiting for their like... Yeah, just like squinting at like a camera that doesn't exist, (laughs) raising an eyebrow. (laughs) Um, But look, it it was really worth seeing because he was so fantastic but also Mm. it's one of those things where you're just watching like someone act so much that I felt nothing I felt nothing yeah 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 I get that yeah yeah you're you're like kind of witnessing all of his like effort yes like wow I just like gosh you're amazing you are amazing the whole time but I wasn't thinking like god I hope they save the potato farm like at no point you know Anyway, it's no Kate. It's no Kate. It's no Kate. 
You're not having you're not having like a, a moment. No. That was ups yeah. and downs, highs and lows, mm. beautiful. Um, but mm. yeah, look, I just had lots of little catch ups and little bars, as you know I like to do. Mm-hmm. Love a little drink at the bar. That is my a little drink at the thing. bar. Oh, BL, since those voice notes went up, I've been getting quite a few people contact me to talk about wide colourful stripes. <laughs> Okay. And I've been getting lots of people sending me images of it. And it's a thing. The Mary Poppins fantasy penguin sequence as fashion is a thing. Parasol core. <laughs> it is, but it's like it's less um, Japan really? goth, I guess, you know. Mm-hmm. It's um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's like a bit more derby, 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 derby. Yeah, Derby Day, that's coming up. Derby. And speaking of, one place I did go to eat that is like bordering on that aesthetic but in a much more chic way, I went to Mm -hmm. Cafe Cecilia, which is owned by Simone Roche's brother. Oh, this is in London. In London. And I kind of thought the staff might be wearing a few bows. They were not. Um, But it was very delightful, I have to tell you. This is like the, um, the like, pardon me, prissy version of, like, Chloe Sevigny's brother running a nightclub. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What did you eat, though? Yeah, I just couldn't tell you. Oh, do you know what? I had muscles on toast. There we go. There it is. There it is. On trend. There it is. Did you see Harry Styles around town on his Lime scooter slash bicycle, which he's been photographed on, feels like, every day this summer? Not a single celebrity sighting, I'm afraid. Not even in New York. Not a single one. Wow. What a shame. Where are they? Uh, Not not hanging out with me, apparently. Picketing, probably. (laughs) Probably picketing. I was going to ask you, so I went to New York and just had three days there. That was was it, Um, which was not enough, obviously. Mm. But I was kind of nervous about going over there because it's been four years since I've been and um, I've spent a lot of my lot of time there. And I was really concerned that I was going to fall into an existential crisis <laughs> as soon as I got there. And mm. maybe I did. I don't know. Mm. I was going to ask you, like, what are your feelings about the city and going back? I... It's been so long. Like, I only lived there for a year and it's been now over 10 years since I left. I've been back twice for trips in that time. So, like, I haven't spent that much time there since I left. Um, But it's, like, so entirely – the last big trip I went to America was 2016. So it was, like, before Trump got elected, before COVID, like, a lot of time has passed since then. I don't know. I feel like my – my like connection to the city is quite tenuous now. Not that it was ever like that strong, but like, you know, my closest friends who were there are no longer there. Once we back to Australia, friends I made who lived in New York have moved to like more affordable places or like had families and stuff like that. I feel like I would be going now with a real kind of, this might sound cringy to say, but like a list of like, places I want to go like half of the list would be like places I want to go for nostalgia Mm -hmm. and would probably be a bit disappointed by what's happened to them or things that have closed that I had a real affinity for my favorite Polish restaurant in Greenpoint RIP but like I feel like the other half would be just places I've heard people talk about on podcasts or like in New York magazine and like just 
going to see things in real life and being like, well, yeah, that lives up to the hype or that doesn't. Sure. Yeah, look, I didn't – I just visited a few old faces. I mean, we weren't there for very long at all. Mm. Um, and I was just what? really there to catch up with friends because um, I've still got lots of friends over there and connections. What's the first place you go when you go back to New York? It's usually just friends' places, but then outside uh-huh. of that, there is a bar – that I always go to, and it's generally one of my first port of calls. It's in the East Village. It is absolutely not a place I would ever put on a recommendations list, like not for anybody, uh, because it is like it is a dive bar, but it's not like a very cool dive bar. It's just somewhere that I kind of sought a lot of solace at a particular time in my life. And so okay. I am just like drawn back into this like, tiny cavernous space and it always feels a little like Christmas in there. Anyway, it's an absolute favourite. Wait, what's it called? I'm not telling. Jinxie. This is like a weird riddle. It's you got to keep a few places for yourself, <laughs> right? But describe on a podcast? Yeah, why not? <laughs> um, I always go to Bemelman's, which is always a favourite. Julius. Always go to Julius's. Mm-hmm. It's like the oldest gay bar in New York. Mm-hmm. I always tip very well because I feel like I'm paying like a lesbian tax because it's really <laughs> just for men, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. But it's still my favorite. It was featured in um, Can You Ever Forgive Me? My friend Anton uh, just moved back after 10 years in New York. We moved there together. I lasted one year. He lasted 10. And he is now living back in Melbourne. It was his birthday about a month ago. And he kind of recreated his favorite Julius birthday tradition at his house. And it was so nice. We had martinis and he made hot dogs. And because he was like, what would I be? Do-? I was, he was really sad to be away from New York. And he was like, what would I be doing? I'd be at Julius having a hot dog. And then he made, um, which I guess they have at Julius as well, like vegan chicken tenders which we tossed in buffalo sauce and he arranged around a, a little bowl of ranch with like uh, celery sticks. <laughs> Great. It's the only place I order a grilled cheese from. It's kind of perfect food, right? I mean, it certainly can it's be. It's all you want to eat when you're drinking teenies. Yeah, it is true. You know, I went to Dimes, of course, and had a delicious, a uh, really good cocktail there actually. It had um. Mm. A great salad and a cocktail that had china and mezcal in it, which is like me in a cocktail. China from Vanderpump Rules? <laughs> no, it's like Maro uh, made from um, artichokes. You teach me something new every day. Oh, BL, I have news. Mm. You know how you were quite disappointed with the fact that I dropped off the football wagon? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I... I kind of expected it, but yes. <laughs> it lasted exactly a week on that. Um, uh-huh. I went to a WNBA game. Oh, I saw this on your Instagram and I loved it because you got the a- acronym wrong. <laughs> you said WMBA and I was like, I love this. What? I actually love. What? It's N, national. Oh. <laughs> Women's National Basketball Association. Gotcha. Well, I've still got a <laughs> bit of work to it. do. Um, I loved it. Yeah, a, a friend uh, had bought a box and um, it was Ooh. 
just full of lesbians, New York lesbians. <laughs> and you At were the like, women's basketball game. And I was like, yes, absolutely. Count me in. Thank you very much. And it was such a hoot. I was an mm-hmm. instant fan. I was suddenly like, I used to play basketball in high school. I'm tall. I could get back into it. Maybe we found your sport. The week before I went, Fran Leibowitz went. She didn't go the night I was there, but she was there last night. Oof. Mm-hmm. Oof. Mm-hmm. Of course she was. All right, we found your new thing. You know Emily was a basketballer. Maybe you two can. I did not know. Start dribbling together. I don't know. We've been dribbling for like 20 years now. <laughs> oh, I've got a little C also from my trip, actually. Yeah. It is uh, something to read by Olivia Lang and it's called The Spoils and it was written, it's a little essay written for uh, Chantal Joff's show The Eel, which I saw in Venice. Anyway, it's a great uh, piece on just like a couple of days in Venice and it really captured the vibe. So we'll link that mm. in the show notes. Oh, great. Venezia. Venezia. I'll never stop that accent. Cucina. <laughs> <laughs> There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Jinxie, there's an article that I've been dying to talk about with you on the pod. It went viral as these things tend to do, uh, as they're arguably designed to do. The Cut published their kind of, you know, friends with kids searing essay cover story by Alison P. Davis. Um, Tell me about your experience reading it. What do you think? What are your feelings? Hmm. I've got a lot of feelings about it, I suppose, and also not Mm. enough. I... Mm. Firstly, it made me feel quite extreme guilt as a childless person that I wasn't doing an, and this I don't think that this is what the article at all was meant to inspire. It's just a very personal take on it. But I really felt like, oh, God, I'm not doing enough to help my friends who have children. I do not have children. I won't have children. And they need some more help. <laughs> mm. Mm. Um, so that's that was my initial reaction, uh, just reading kind of the struggles that you – I think there was one comment. It was like mums don't – this is like very gendered, but mums don't offer other mums help. They just do it. And I thought, mm. oh, God, I should probably mm. be that proactive person. Mm. 
But also it was interesting because it's like, I don't know about you, BL. I mean, we have some of the same friends with children, but mm-hmm. there's certainly, like most of the people I know who have kids uh, who are my friends are about my age, I have to ask them for the baby photos because they are all like, oh, I'm not that person, I'm not that parent, and they're not sharing yeah. them very much. So I'm like, send me the kid, send me the kid. Mm-hmm. What about you? Mm-hmm. I I was ready to be kind of on my like to be really reductive on my like friends with kids side reading this because I think the reactions I saw from it were so like it it the reactions I saw online before I read the article made me think that it was going to be entirely from the perspective of childless people talking about their friends who have had children kind of dipping out of their lives that was my perception of it that's how it's set up that's how that article is set up yeah and I actually found it a lot more reasonable than that. It was like deliberately provocative and grabby, but I also found it to be quite understanding of people with kids. Again, saying this as someone who doesn't have them, so maybe I've got it wrong. She talks to a friend who was the first of her friends to have kids and felt really lost and alone um, and like describes the way that like their new life has kind of taken a wrecking ball to like their ownership of their bodies. She says their sleep schedule, their understanding of their careers. You know, I think she's not saying what I think a lot of people read into it, which was like, I hate your kids and resent their existence. But I also think that that's sometimes that's understandably what people with children hear because they're so hyper aware of how significantly their lives have changed. And that's why these conversations so really happen with them, you know, like part of this article, I think said the quiet part out loud, but it also, I think reinforced why these conversations don't happen a lot of the time. Like, you know, you hear from someone, a a person called Ashley who has a child who says that she felt, you know, she said that talking to her child free friends about things that are going on with her baby made her feel like, boring and rigid and fixated on her kid and ashamed that she wanted to talk about her child and I like you like my I care about the children of my friends who have them like I care about my friends who have kids but I also understand why they feel that way because they have for the most part absorbed this idea that like when you have a kid all you want to talk about is your kid and that's like embarrassing or shameful or something to be like you know to cringe over unless you're talking to other parents. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like it I feel like it it blended a lot of perspectives, but also also <laughs> if I were one of Alison P. Davis's friends who has had children, imagine their group chats about her in this article. <laughs> I can't imagine a result of this article that is not just like the implosion of many friendships. No, she really went there, didn't she? I uh, the the reason why we don't have these conversations is because you don't really want the fallout. You don't want the aftermath of having these difficult conversations that are so loaded. Like they're so loaded about mm, like mm-hmm. guilt and shame and like people dealing with the fact that they do have children and other people dealing with the fact that they've chosen not to or can't have children. Like there's, it's such, like it's one of the most sensitive topics, of course. Mm -hmm. And 
yeah, I'd be pissed if I was like a, a, fr- a friend of hers that had a kid. I'm I'm quoting here. A bigger part of me than I would like to admit was irritated. When did all of my interesting friends become so conventional and heteronormy? I felt disappointed in the squaring of my friend group. I'd imagined my adult life as a certain kind of dinner party attended by people who lived all sorts of different lives with and without marriage and children. And I, like, look, this is really just her perspective because reading this description of like, I imagine my adult life as like some people married, some people not, some people with children, some people not. And I'm like, that's describing my friendships and my life. So I'm kind of like, Alison, do you, do you just have only like two friends and they both got married and had kids at the same time? Yeah, I, I did feel that. I mean, I guess it's just, I don't know, because we're it's different ages. I don't know if you've noticed, Bill. I've got a couple of years on you, unfortunately. But um, I... Did I? Mm, I have lost touch with like a number of friends who do have children, mm. but I don't think it's like it's through kind of moving or mm. being in a different place in life or different career or that kind of thing. Mm. I don't think it was ever really about the kid. Um, but that said, it like I don't like it is. It would be so difficult to try to mm. like in the article. Uh, she talks about one couple who like go out of their way to be like we're still the fun parents like we're still the fun people yeah. we're still partying all the time we're going clubbing uh they also have a f- full-time nanny or something so yeah yeah I, yeah. Don't, I have to know it's just like I th- you just have to be able to fit in with someone else's schedule and not expect them to be able to still fit into yours I suppose yeah it's all about like availability and time right but I have that with friends who don't have kids absolutely same like I this is not a brag, but like I'm not very available and I don't have a partner or a child. I have one clingy cat, but she can be left at home. And I was thinking as I was reading it, you know, because they talk about like people who have children often find friendships with other parents, etc. Um, and it made me think about like the the friendships I've kind of forged in the last few years have been the new ones. Um, you know, I still I haven't cut anyone off or like you know I haven't for the most part lost many friends but like the the new friendships that have become really important to me are largely with single women and so that's like a separate element to it as well is like it's not just that we find people who can relate to our experience as parents it's also like as you know our relationship status and like things like that yeah that's really interesting that yeah that's something you've no, because that's so organic as well. It's not like I'm going to go out and meet other single gals. Mm. I, like maybe it is. I don't know your life, BL. But uh, yeah, I, I, it is really organic. I, when I was in New York, I was kind of thinking about, you know, like my friends. I really gravitate so much towards like gay men and a lot of them are coupled up, but mm. it's – yeah, I and like none of them have children. Also, mm. that's like, is this a thing? It's because all of the lesbians I know have kids now. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like, I mean, I love for them. I I have no problem being like the single person with my couple friends. So many of my friends' partners, I have independent relationships with, but there is sometimes when you don't want to be the fifth person or like the only person who's leaving by themselves at night or whatever you know I really did love towards the end of this piece where um you know there was a a dad who 
suggest something that I really love doing with my friends who have kids, which is like coming over to help with bedtime and then hanging out for a drink after the kid goes to sleep or like Samin Nosrat in this piece does something that I would love to do, which is like a weekly dinner, like cooking for people, um, being fine with like they leave when they need to leave. Um, you know, she said, I, I'm going to figure out how to come to you. I want to see that baby. I don't resent having to do a different kind of labor. And I think that's a really nice element of friendship that we don't often talk about is like, I'm going to care for you. Yeah. I I mean, she just comes across so well in that article, doesn't she? Oh, I mean, in every way. I know, Angel. but I was a bit like, oh, it's a bit much, right? Like... <laughs> I mean, she's cooking that leg of lamb anyway. It's just that she's sharing it with kids. Good for her. I guess at the core of it with that article, I mean, I do understand, and I don't think it's just me, a childless woman. I think that a lot of parents would have this. It's like sometimes you do want to be at a party where there are no children. Like I Mm. think that most of my friends who are parents want to leave their that way as well yeah. alone sometimes yeah. you know I don't yeah. think that's such a bad thing to say or admit but it's not like not mm. every occasion but I'm never I've never had like an experience where I'm like wish I'd left the baby at home like I'm always like no I want to you got to see the baby if, essentially you got to see the baby if anything I'm like pass me that baby so I can hold them like you have your hands free to like eat your muscles on toast or whatever, but I want to hold that baby because you get to all the time. <laughs> Drink that Sheena yeah. cocktail. Drink your Sheena Shay. <laughs> I love my friend's kids. I love that we like figure out how to show up in each other's lives. Um, I'm going to be the auntie forever, you know, like I'm going to leave when I want to from the birthday party and that's fine, but I also want to like – make the birthday cake from the women's weekly cake book. And like um, ultimately when, when Alison Davis was describing that, like, you know, I, my friends are all heteronormy and I thought we were going to be the kind of friends who like go on trips and like engage with movies and art. I was like, like people can still like, this is a really rude reduction of people who have chosen to have children. But it made me think of like, the parent on screen who like has the life that I want, which is Annette Benning in 20th Century Women. Oh, perfection. It's like you can have a teenager and also have Greta Gerwig sitting around your table and also Billy Crudup wants to fuck you. And also there's like firefighters there. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's really idyllic, isn't it? Yeah. It's a really idyllic yeah. situation. There were a couple of reactions to this piece that I really liked and we'll put in the notes as some see also's. Anne Friedman, the journalist, has a newsletter, famous newsletter, and she wrote one where she talked about the idea of reproductive identity, which I had never heard of before, but apparently is a thing, Mm -hmm. and how it's like, you know, there's a fluidity of whether people have children or not. It's not always a choice. It's, you know, it's not just chose to have kids or didn't. Oh, I want to read that because that's something that doesn't really come up in the article at all. There's like one... Uh, parent who fosters um, in the Mm. article but yeah and a mention of someone who maybe couldn't have kids and found it hard to be around their friends who could Um, but yeah it's like far from black and white and this intense binary thing which was a really nice thing to mention and she also left a really juicy footnote where she said 
She once pitched the cut a story about reproductive identity and was swiftly rejected. The binary is clickier, I guess. <gasps> oh, I love that. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if you noticed, but Top Chef just. <laughs> he, he sprang up behind you. <laughs> he wants to read it. He loves the substack. He loves um, gossip, this dog. A different Anne with a different newsletter, Anne Helen Peterson's newsletter, Culture Study. She has a newsletter called How to Show Up for Your Friends Without Kids and How to Show Up for Kids and Their Parents, a.k.a. How to Be in a Community, which was really nice. And uh, she had another newsletter, which was called How to Kid Proof Your Friendship. And she recommended in that a book by a writer called Raina Cohen called The The Other Significant Other, Reimagining Your Life with Friendship at the Center, which I'm keen to read or just google Hmm. yeah that sounds good Hmm. i just remembered do you remember that article that went really viral i think it was in the new york times and it was written by someone who was who just came out as saying i love my husband more than my children do you remember that piece (laughs) and it was and like people were so angry about it like completely outraged that this woman had said that she had a different kind of love for her romantic partner than she did for her children. The person she met and chose to have in her life, random. Yeah. The only thing I hope with uh, friends who do have kids is that I will always be there for them when they're having a problem with their parents so that they can, like, mm. run away because of their bitch mother. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. I'd be like, yes, come in. You're safe, my child. I'll take you out. Yes, yes. I absolutely, like, can't wait to be that person. Yeah, I want to be the one dyeing someone's kid's hair green and, like, piss off their parents, my friend. Yeah. (laughs) I want to be the, like, my dream for, like, my niece is when she's old enough to come to Melbourne on her own for, like, school holidays or something and I'll be like, yeah, they had coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, you'll introduce her to Melbourne's coffee culture, will you? Yeah, I'm going to take it to Grave Street in the NGV and blow a fucking mind. (laughs) BL, it is time for Also Also's. What is your first one? It's been so long between drinks. My first one is a watch also. It's a very belated one, kind of. It's a movie I saw at Miff that made a very swift arrival in cinemas thankfully so I got to see it again last weekend it's theater camp directed by Nick Lieberman and Molly Gordon uh I laughed the entire way through it the first time I laughed the entire way through it the second time I cried at the final musical number I cried at the final musical number again um Amy Sedaris I need the Jones Still merch immediately post a t-shirt both question mark the cast is like so stacked. It's got all the girlies, Ayo Edbiri, Molly Gordon, then all the musical boys. Um, Patty Harrison's in there. But my favorite cast member is Owen Teal, who plays the uh, like fashion or like costume teacher at the um, at the theater camp, Gigi Charbonnier. <laughs> they <laughs> give extreme clavicle weekly. Uh, it reminded me so much of so many formative movies for me, like Camp Nowhere, Wet Hot American Summer, the first third of Nancy Meyer's Parent Trap, which I watched a couple nights ago. Um, it's giving like Meg Wallet's The Interestings, but mockumentary. Um, 
and like the opening kind of moments where it's Amy Sedaris and her like right hand woman trying to recruit kids to come to this theater camp. I was like, this is drop dead gorgeous. Um, there's waiting for Guffman in Spo, you know, there's so many faves as the list of also's is long, but like get yourself to a theater to see theater camp immediately. I concur. I concur. It's a very fun film. It's so fun. I truly real tears coming out of my eyes. I like the silliest song about going to camp. It's really cute. It's a really cute film. Yeah. My first one is a collect also. It's a new online curated store called Research. Uh, It is curated by fabulous photographer, writer, artist, pal joe brennan uh he has the keenest eye i have ever experienced and also just like monumentally impressive search abilities Mm. he can just find the most incredible things gift giver extraordinaire i just need to shout that out he once gave me a signed to me signed to me uh photo uh by mink stole whoa how how does that happen but yeah he's extremely very good at finding ephemera particularly like kind of pop cultural ephemera and so now he's selling it online as research and it has some great things up there at the moment he's got an original japanese film program from 1994 for the release of totally fucked up by gregoraki how did he find that i do not know he's got lots of rare fashion mags and um Kenneth Anger's Fireworks on VHS and uh, favorite, I shot Andy Warhol's soundtrack on cassette. Okay, wow. Where, wait, where am I going? What's the website? You, Research? Yeah, you're going to re search.store. Oh, and I've got to say, he's just... priced them very reasonably. Can't we just spend all the money on this stuff before this episode comes? <laughs> yeah, you got to get in there. Got to get in there quick. I, d- I have thought about that Gregoraki program. All right, wow, I'm about to spend money I don't Mm -hmm. have. Thank you, Joe. Thank you in advance. Thank you, Jinxie. (laughs) My next one is a subscribe also. It's a newsletter. Um, It's written by a New York-based writer, Jamie Allison Feldman, a.k.a. Jamie AF. I've been following her on TikTok for a while. She started posting videos there under the username Real Girl Project, where she essentially was like, I'm coming clean about my debt and my relationship to money. And it's very unvarnished content. It's not like whimsical videos of like someone lighting a candle and talking about like, I had a no spend day. I just went to the gym, you know, like she's, she's hustling. She's like a freelancer. She's seeing her friends and being social, but doing it in a way that is really conscious of her budget. And she now has a newsletter And the last few issues have just been so, so good and so relevant to my life in a way I wasn't quite expecting. She wrote one about how um, FOMO was kind of one of the big reasons that she got into debt. She wanted to accept all invitations. She didn't want to say no to things and then never be invited again. Um, And she's just done a two-part series on kind of like the psychology behind the mental health kind of relationship between her and money talking about like essentially being a people pleaser and how that contributed to a lot of her debt. Um, It's really great. I really love it. And it's kind of um, just helpful to read real stuff about people's relationships to money and not like 
try selling everything you own on eBay to make a little extra side hustle money or something, you know, like actual human being. I love reading about people's relationships with money. Um, I always find it fascinating and helpful and I need to read that immediately. Yeah. 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 I'll send it to you and then we'll, um, I mean, we're going out for drinks in a couple of days, but maybe after that we can we can hang out at one another's homes. <laughs> we'll draw up our budgets together. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> um, my next one is a listen also. It was a soundtrack to my London trip. I think I mentioned it in a voice note, but it's Romy from the XX, her uh, solo album, which is called Mid Air. I... Just listen to this on repeat. I love to like pick an album, particularly like a new one, and just listen to that when I'm in one specific city and it just sort of becomes a soundtrack mm. of that particular trip. And so when you listen to it later, it sort of it always pulls you back to that time. Uh, and this was perfect. I don't listen to a lot of like quote unquote dance music, <laughs> uh-huh. but I and because I often find it a little too perfect or like so overproduced or something that I can't really get a I find it too slippery I suppose with something Mm -hmm. so glossy but Mm -hmm. this is I'm just loving this album it's really great um she's worked with a lot of producers I am completely unfamiliar with and don't care about that everyone is seems to be very impressed by (laughs) uh but there is a limited edition there is a limited edition pink like hot pink neon pink vinyl of it that you can only get from independent record stores which we love and support so I would suggest going that way with it I just googled to see who the producers were just to be like (laughs) do I know any of them Fred again one is one is Fred again but one there are Beverly Glenn Copeland is on there who I love and adore um oh so fun I still haven't listened to the Romy album I got a hot tip for me I love this we're just back to giving each other things to yeah I know I love it it's very good but yeah look it's it's a banger I love it my last one is an eat also uh I'm highly highly recommending Massa's bagels which you can get most but not all Saturdays at Carlton Farmers Markets they happen from 8 a.m. on Saturday mornings. I went and got some a few weeks ago for the first time and truly like life-changing sourdough bagels. Insanely chewy, really good flavors. They do Bialis as well. They do kind of like collabs. I got a um a like row local row trout row I think on my on my bagel and I guess they did a collab with some like row producer um they do like smoked trout spread just like not your average bagel with cream cheese which we love and adore but something that's like a little a little fancy at a market don't mind if I do Mm, an elevated bagel if you will (laughs) (laughs) sounds like a top chef challenge not me yeah, it really does. <laughs> uh, my last one is a read also, but it's kind of a cheeky read also because it's a read also times two. Hmm. Uh, let me explain. So the first part of it is Charlie Porter's new book, Bring No Clothes, Bloomsbury and the Philosophy of Fashion. He also wrote a book called What Artists Wear, which I think was an also also of mine a while back yeah. anyway. And if you are not prepared to just go in and get the book straight away 
this is where the two-parter comes in. There is a great profile of the book, Charlie and the Exhibition, in the latest issue of The New Yorker. It's called The Bloomsbury Group is Back in Fashion. It's by Rebecca Mead, and it is an excellent, excellent read. It's like separate to the book. It's beautiful. Chic. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. Don't forget our live show is coming up really soon next week when this episode comes out, I think. Um, See also live at the Wheeler Center, Tuesday, 10th of October, 7.30 p.m. It's part of the Wheeler Center Spring Fling program, which is happening for the first half of October. Our event is going to be me, Kate, Maria Angelico, and a special surprise guest, Um, we have heard that tickets are selling kind of fast, but there are still some available if you want to come, um, hang out with us IRL. And if you do that, you can use the discount code see also all caps, no spaces to get 15% off your ticket at wheelercenter.com. I'm excited about it. I cannot wait to see you there, BL. I hope you turn up. (laughs) (laughs) The way you phrased it made you question if I will. (laughs) Yeah, I might come. <laughs> See you there. As ever, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and give us a little five stars. If you please, we would love you to do that. It helps us reach new people. And uh, we also just like to read them and feel good about ourselves. Who am I kidding? Truly. Follow us at See Also Podcast on Instagram. That is the best way to find out all about our shows and what is happening and also access previous also also so they're all contained in little highlights on our page which i hope is helpful anyway uh tell your friends mm-hmm. about it please do and uh thanks as ever to samuel hodge for our imagery and harvey sutherland for our theme music bye see ya hold up what was that Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, People that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 